0: Slacktail Squad, assemble. I mm-hmm.
1: Are listening to this, you are a member of the great Slaptail Nation, my nation, and who am I? I'm the Beeve Man, Master of the Universe, Creator of all things great and small, and Lord High Commander of the Great Slaptail Nation Army. And of course, if you're wondering why you heard additional music after the intro for the Slaptail Squad, it's because once again, it's a team up, it's a team up, it's a mash up. it's much like uh. If you took Batman, me from DC, and you took uh, Wolverine from Marvel and put them in the same comic, that's what you would have. So, with us today here, well, it's me in the Beaver Den. It's Swan in the Beaver Den. So, I guess we'll introduce Swan next. Say hello, Swan.
2: Hello, Swan.
1: But also with us at uh, the Monster's Lair is the Monster himself the monotone with a microphone the trailer park monster the dark lord of brown town jd Hutchins of the monsters Lair.
3: what a wonderful intro thanks for having me
1: all right well are we having him or is he having us one
2: maybe it's mutual maybe it's a
1: match-up it's a team-up
2: we're
3: yeah. all having it's
2: each collab other. right
1: Good thing Mike's not here.
2: Yeah, that would have been popping
1: one off right now. Maybe rubbing one out in the corner. Anyway, anyway, it's anyways, good to be anyways. back. JD, what do you got going on? What's been? What's the update for you?
3: Lots of work, 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 work.
1: That's totally. You know, to that's work. like an American thing to say. It's always we're working and it's busy. But what's really going on with you? What tell us? Tell us some insight into the the trailer park monster himself.
3: Um, Let's see. Well, uh, just doing the family thing, being a dad, living that dad life. Excellent. Trying to raise the heathens as bad as I can get them to be so they can wreak havoc out into the world and be my minions of chaos. You know how that goes. Mm. Nice.
2: Nice. Dad goals. Yeah.
1: That's what all dads want for their daughters. For them to wreak havoc. Why not? Yeah, little spawns of hell. Sure. Why not? uh swan any updates on your end
2: uh my spawn also with a havoc greatly she's pure evil true true comes naturally for her
1: you know she we often say that you're a lot like your dad and she gets really mad and i'm like no i'm not talking about me
2: (laughs) her dad from down way down way down south
1: way 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 down
2: south right it's warm there
1: yeah, <laughs> that would be the father that I'm talking about. Right,
2: right. Anyway, well, this is really super exciting. We are we
1: are together again. It's a, m- a more monster-crypted alien time. This is an exciting time to be alive, honestly. Did you see that they've got the website up, JD? The new, what is it, A A uh, R. AAR.mel. Is that what it is? Sure. Somebody, I don't know. Somebody, anyone. I'm telling you. Ah, here it is. It's A-A-R-O dot mil.
2: Not to be confused with A-A-R-P.
1: Correct. This is called the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office. It is official government site. And if you go on it, guess what? There isn't much on it. Surprise.
3: <laughs> it's uh surprising considering that everyone trusts the government right now
1: these days, huh? Yeah, I I feel like it is kind of annoying, though, that uh, no one seems to be super excited about the fact that they're basically saying that uh, alien life or alien stuff is a thing.
2: Yeah, it's... They're saying airborne objects. So they're not necessarily saying aliens, but they're not denying it. An object could be an alien.
3: I think it's a generational thing, too. I don't think these younger kids of this younger generation are quite as excited about it. Um, as opposed to like if they would have released this information in the nineties at like the peak of, you know, a lot of the big UFO stories that were out at that time. Um, I think these kids are more I don't want to say desensitized, but like it's not a surprise to
2: them. Either that or they're just not observant. They don't look up. Yeah, I
1: guess it's not even that. How can you not be excited or intrigued by the possibility of interactions with actual alien life forms, alien organisms, the fact that we're seeing stuff that's fucking just totally fucking weird? You know, reading this, uh, the two books that I used as my resources today are The Mothman Prophecies by John A. Keel and Operation Trojan Horse by John A. Keel. and Awesome, of course, but there was so much UFO shit going on in the 60s that he talks about, but they've been going on forever. Since the 1800s, we're seeing, since the 1800s, there are reports of aircraft, like legit fast flying fucking aircraft when we had no idea what aircraft were. And I'm sure it goes back even farther than that. So, how can people not be interested or even remotely scared by it if this stuff is occurring? I, I'm predicting that we're going to see a lot. We're going to have a flap. That's what I'm predicting. You think so? Yeah. I, I think so.
3: I, I blame TikTok
1: for rotting everyone's brain.
3: Yeah, everyone's too busy making their next dance clip video and not really paying attention, trying to get famous on the online on the internet. So. Yeah. I think that plays into what Swan said. It's just not a big deal to them because they're interested in other aspects.
2: More vanity and self, whatever, than other things around them.
3: A broad generalization. I'm not saying all the kids of this generation are like that, but, I mean, it seems to be the general consensus.
1: What I found interesting from reading Operation Trojan Horse, where he's talking about lots of different sightings, I mean, the book is just, filled. I'm not even like halfway done. So it's just filled with all these different reports and he really screened out ones that he thought were like basically more legitimate type reports. But one thing that I thought was really interesting is, in my opinion, if there was a report of an aircraft or someone stepping into an aircraft or an object, if they described it like stuff that was available at that time in their world, then I personally would discount it because if you can describe something in the interior like the stuff that we have then it's not an extraterrestrial machine to me because mm-hmm. why would they have stuff just like us if we had stuff if if we had that stuff then we would be doing what they do but the reports were they're like I have no idea how this propelled itself I had no idea what kind of engine they used things like that where they just literally couldn't describe it in terms that they were familiar with. To me, that seems more legitimate than somebody going, Oh, they were operating a hand pump and that's how they were going up and down. Like, no, they weren't. You're a fucking nut. Right.
3: Well, that's like one of the stories we're most likely going to discuss today with the, the Woody Derenberger thing and the uh, kerosene lantern shaped craft uh, Mm -hmm. that Ingrid Cole supposedly emerged from like, you know, that's, it's so descriptive and so unique to any other type of craft that would have been available at that time, you know, it it makes that story stand out because it's like, okay, if he's making this up, like, he must have a crazy imagination to have that many details and descriptions about this weird craft. So to me, like, the more specific a description is and the more details it has, it kind of gives it creed.
2: My research didn't talk about that, so we should probably review that.
1: Your research didn't talk about it? No. What what extensive research did you do, Swan?
2: Uh I watched Men in Black. Oh,
1: fascinating. Well, you yeah. know, there are some takeaways from Men in Black. I don't know if you know that.
2: I mean, there probably are.
1: Well, I mean, they didn't come up with some of that stuff by themselves. I mean, there is... uh
2: Let me say this. This is
1: my most important observation from reading the Mothman prophecies and getting halfway through operation trojan horse and i'm sure that i'm going to read i have like five john keel books that i'm going to read here's my biggest opera my observation from from the books that i have or the stuff that i've read so far john keel amazing investigator super super horny
3: this is true
1: super horny super yeah. horny guy
2: he wanted to like do it with an alien nope. or what? no what no just in general Okay,
1: Swan. Although you have done no research, essentially, you've really only read, you've really only watched Men in Black. Every time John Keel encounters a woman in his investigations, he describes her. Hmm. He doesn't just say, oh, I talked with Mrs. Smith about this encounter. He says, Mrs. Smith, a voluptuous housewife with long blonde hair and large breasts." Saw this object at nine thirty on a Wednesday. Hmm. He doesn't say large breasts, but he does describe pretty much every woman he encounters. And if they're not attractive, he's like uh, a rather homely homemaker. Miss Johnson was.
2: Did you describe men? No, <laughs> not, not at all. Like just not Mr. at all. Yep. Okay.
1: He hmm. Interesting. Every woman, he's like voluptuous, comely, uh, homely. Uh, whatever. It's it's hilarious. The whole time you read it, I'm like, this, there's probably some really important shit in here, but this is all I seem to be able to focus in on, is how funny it is that he describes every woman he encounters in this book.
3: Reading, reading along to his writing, you can almost hear the saliva hitting the page as he's writing Gross. during certain passages.
1: Well, so, but the guy, he never got married.
2: I did one more research. I watched or listened to this podcast that ours? had Good no, for you. Oh. no, I listened to yours. Yes, but no, another podcast about the men in black. But that guy, it was like from the late 70s, 60s, uh, East of the Rockies with Jim Keith, and he mm. like talked all about uh men in black, but he made whenever he interviewed a woman on there, he like discounted her story, but he talked to the men. He was like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. If he was mm. talking to a woman, like he just kind of discounted it like she was crazy. So I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting.
1: I want someone to come out with a John Keel book, like, you know, his, his biography, but I want them to do it like, uh, what was the basketball player who banged a million people?
3: Oh, that was, uh, uh, oh crap.
1: I think I have his book.
3: Walt, Walt,
1: Walt, uh, Will Chamberlain. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Will there you go. I want, I want somebody to do a biography on John Keel as if he's Will Chamberlain because he came across a lot of women, but I was like, oh, poor John Keel, super horny, but we never hear about his escapades. Just
3: a total fan fiction about all the women that he encountered during the yeah. interview process.
1: Yeah. Somebody needs to do Somebody do that. Come out with some John Keel investigator chronicles, which is just basically all based on regular, Human interaction porn, humanoid porn, Bigfoot porn, all that good stuff. That's what I want to read.
3: It's, it's going to happen now because you put it out there. So someone's going to so. hear this.
1: Let me put that into the universe. We need some good John Keel-based fan fiction porn.
2: You haven't like Googled to see if that's a thing? Maybe it already is a thing. I doubt it.
1: Not, it not, not the kind that I would imagine.
2: <laughs> well, maybe you should write it.
1: Not, oh, not the good kind. He's
3: he was is what he means, right? Are you guys familiar with the rule thirty four of the internet? No. Rule thirty four of the internet states that if it exists, there is porn of it. Nice.
1: It's not true. I do a lot of searches in my specific genre <laughs> of porn. A lot of genre of porn. I can never find. I'm like, ah, oh, they just maybe somebody will do it animated, but I'm like, eh, I don't want animated.
3: We need one of those big stamp graphics with a loud sting sound, just debunked. Yeah, Put it up exactly.
1: There, yeah. Like it's not happening what I'm asking for. Uh, so how would you like to do this one? Should we ask, um, should we ask, uh, JD questions or shall we have him just take off with it? And then we ask him questions based on his research or how should we do this? Or JD, what do you think? Come on, JD.
2: I mean, whatever you think is best.
3: I mean, I'm the guest and you're, wonderful slap no this is a
2: collab this is a collab so it can go however you want it to go
3: okay so i will start off by saying last time we did the part one episode um beef man and i were discussing his interaction with one of the locals there when you guys visited um west virginia describing the mothman as basically a giant bird um and We didn't talk about it during that podcast, but after thinking about it, I made the connection to the Thunderbird mythology, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with or, you know, um, new, but basically, uh, a lot of Native American creationist myths have to do with a Thunderbird, um, which is a giant bird from the heavens, basically. Um, And they believe that thunder was created by the clapping of its wings and lightning by the flashing of its eyes. But there's a lot of evidence and eyewitness testimony stating that something like a Thunderbird does exist in our modern times. Uh, but, you know, of course, like most any other cryptid, it hasn't been fully proven or found or discovered yet. But I thought it was interesting that she described it um, to Beef Man as being, you know, more bird-like than what we think of as the Mothman when we think of the Mothman as being like this weird hybrid creature. So that was the first thing that just kind of clicked in my head after talking about it. So I don't know what your guys' thoughts is on that, if that's a possibility.
1: Well, I think that the Thunderbird is a very viable explanation because there's reports of large birds all throughout recorded history with the indigenous people, like you said. Um, even as early as, or as late as like the 1900s and early and late 1800s, um, there's even, I can remember reading a story when I was a kid of some like nine-year-old kid getting picked up by a Thunderbird and dropped and actually had like talon marks on him, Uh, but nobody believed the family, but the mom witnessed it. And then there's this very, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The uh, Mandela effect. I don't know if you've ever uh, a lot of people swear that they've seen a picture of a giant bird hammered to a barn door with a bunch of people standing around it. Um, that's one of them. And then there's another one that's even bigger than that. But the barn door one, I swear I've seen that picture. I swear I saw that when I was like in middle school. Uh, so the whole giant bird thing is not beyond the realm of possibility, in my opinion. Part of that though with the Mothman is there was another sighting around that same time when everything was going crazy in Point Pleasant at the airport where they saw a plane coming in, but it was flying erratically, but it was not a plane. And they actually described it as looking like a pterodactyl. (laughs) Uh, So that is even more interesting to me. What I think is interesting is during the time frame in Point Pleasant from was it 1966 to 1967, they're having all this high strangeness stuff going on. I think it's very possible that this is one of those slip times, dimensional slips, where we were actually seeing more than one thing. So could there have been some sort of Mothman creature and a Thunderbird and some sort of pterodactyl creature, plus all the UFOs they were seeing at the same time? I think that's very possible.
3: Well, you know what they say about pterodactyls, right?
1: Uh, no. Uh,
3: You can't hear them going to the bathroom because the pee is silent.
2: Hi. Oh, <laughs> hold
3: All right. on. Sorry, Ron's wasn't here. I figured I'd throw in a corny joke on his because
2: I mean, that one is kind of funny in a dad kind of way. You're taking way. Try All right. Again,
1: uh, go ahead. Try that joke again.
2: Why? Just edit the Do <laughs> it. Yeah. Just put it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's so easy. Just just put it in there. Why yeah. is that what you're saying? Just edit go out ahead, that blank edit. silence and yes, put yes, that I like do that. in there. I, I yeah.
1: will do that. Uh, I think that that's a. I think that's pretty. Uh, I think that's a pretty good possibility, honestly. Swan had an interesting theory, though, JD. Okay. About my interaction with this local person, Swan. Do you re- now? Let's see if Swan- I do now, remember. Hold now hold on for just a minute, Swan. Okay. Yeah. Now Swan will usually come up with an idea, JD, and I'm sure you know this from listening to our podcast. <laughs> but then she'll forget it, and then I'll ask her specifically, "Hey, Swan, what was that point that you wanted to bring up?" And she'll be like, I don't know. And we'll ruin an entire segment of the podcast because Swan <laughs> is not prepared. Now, Swan, uh huh. You had an interesting observation or thought about my interaction with this person in Point Pleasant.
2: What what was your thought? So I have two things. But first one, don't let me forget what I'm gonna tell you afterwards. Oh jeez. Because that I will forget. But the first hey, I thought Swan. Yeah. Don't forget yeah. to
3: tell Beaveman Man um, what you were thinking about afterwards.
2: Okay. okay. And how about how I started out with I grew up in Detroit, but anyway. No, nobody wants. No, me. nobody wants to hear that. So anyway, yeah. So we were talking about the Pee-wee movie, the Pee-wee's Big Adventure movie, and I said a great the lady piece at the, of
3: cinematic history. If I do say which was
2: so. crazy because he was alive then when we were talking about it, and but right it after. Before.
3: Literally at, a week right before, we after, said, oh, I really
1: want to watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure again.
3: See, yes, that's, the, so that's the bad kind of synchronicity. Oh, it
2: was totally the bad kind of synchronicity. So I said the lady at the comic book store is probably actually like Large Marge from Pee-wee, and she really doesn't exist. She's like not. She's a ghost.
1: Whoa, wicked.
2: So if we go back there and lady from the comic book store is not there, Definitely a Pee Wee Herman Large Marge situation.
3: Then we'll know, right?
2: Yeah, then we'll, well know. My
1: theory was better. Mm-hmm. When you said that, I said, or is she actually an MIB who was trying to throw me off of the Mothman by saying, mm. oh, it's just a bird. There
3: Misinformation a bird. agent. Mm-hmm.
2: I was thinking that the library ladies were men in black. Or All
1: right, now, why were, the in library, black? why were the library
2: ladies? Because they were there when it happened. Well the one lady was.
1: Well that was the that was that was Braxton County. That was the Braxy. That was that monster.
2: So same thing. And they were giving they were distracting you with Carrie Fisher stories. I didn't even ask them about the monster.
3: They didn't have you look at the end of any pins or anything, did they, before you left?
2: Well we wouldn't know if they did. What? If ah, they flashy thinged point. us, we fair wouldn't point, know. fair point on
1: fair point. true. touche. Yeah touche. Exactly. But to
3: circle it back to the Men in Black movie, I think those are some of the details that they did get right about the Men in Black and the way that they manipulate people into forgetting about things that happened or have ways of changing their mind. Um, Because a lot of the Men in Black stories that you hear about real encounters have to do with a lot of the same stuff. Um, Men in Black appearing, you know, deliberately to be strange in appearance or just act bizarre on purpose to, like, kind of distract you from what's really going on, so that was pretty interesting. That's kind of a cool full-circle full moment. But to go back to uh, Beefman's point about the pterodactyl, it's interesting because there's a point I'm gonna get to later uh, about the Appalachian Mountain range and how old that range really is, um, and its origins all the way back to the existence of Pangea. So, it could be possible that there's, like, a ancient creature or something that was around at the beginning of time that maybe could still exist that exists deep within the mountains of Appalachia so I find that interesting as well
1: yeah and I I think that part of the thing that people don't understand is when they're like oh how could this animal exist all these years like well we're not saying it's the same one that's 8,000 years old you ding dong Right. Saying that they're they reproduce and maybe they're like elephants and they only have a baby every three years or whatever. So that that whole idea too is like goofy. I'm like that's a dumb thing to think. I'm like no nobody's saying it's thousands of years old.
3: Right. And on top of that, we like to think of things in like terms of human lifespan and human existence. But if this thing is not human, it's possible that it may have a longer or shorter lifespan, or it may even have been able to adapt. To living without being seen, who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's so many possibilities that it could be, which is why I love this paranormal stuff so much because you get off into the woods and all these different topics, um, mm-hmm. and you could talk about it for days on end.
1: Yeah, and to the idea that you can't—they're like, oh, well, we haven't found any evidence of it. We have like, like, okay, but honestly, the only way to quote find evidence of something would be if you put every single person in our country online and had them walk from one end to the other end and push everything out in front of them or had somebody, you know, the same thing on the other side, like you can't cover every single spot. It's having wandered around in the woods in the army, like, Oh, there's an entire platoon out there. We have to find them. It still takes you a long time to find them if you're in a giant company size element. So I'm like, and this is where you're specifically know that they're out there just to cover a small area to go find them. And you have to rely on intelligence to find them. And now you have satellites and all that other stuff. So you can hide anywhere. I mean, it's, the earth is still vast.
3: Right. And especially in this region, we're discussing, discussing. I mean, the Appalachian Range, you're talking about deep, deep woods, very treacherous terrain, very, um, you know, diverse terrain. Uh, we're talking about areas of land that may never have had human foot step down on it. So, I mean, who's to say what's living back up in there or what might
1: exist? Yeah. All right. Men in black stuff. Here was my observations. I'm sure Swan has these same observations.
2: Probably. Totally. I so, want to go back to the thing that I was going to forget about that I didn't forget about. Uh, please actually, do. Please
3: do, Swan. Yeah, sure. don't so, forget about that thing. You yeah, say. that
2: thing. So, back to, like, the big giant bird things. Look at like cave drawings and like the Egyptian hieroglyphics and all that shit. The The birds are huge in those mm-hmm. compared to the people. So why wouldn't there be a huge bird? Or why would they draw it so big if it wasn't really that big?
3: Right, and the other thing that adds um, a little bit of levity to that too is that, um, you know, there's there's different tribes of different regions of the country that draw the same types of cave drawings. Mm -hmm. As well as, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Nazca lines uh, down in South America, which are like these big um, drawings in the land itself. There's depictions of giant birds there as well. You know, it's interesting that even though all of these um, tribes and nations of indigenous peoples um, have different cultures, different ways of living, they all have some similar variety of this type of large bird myth that they believe in, whether it's a creationary myth or just a creature that they've witnessed or seen. um, That's interesting to me as well.
1: Yeah. I, what's also interesting in that same regard is you'll see all these drawings and even depictions in the Bible of these things like, you know, the columns of fire or the burning bush and all this other stuff, which there could actually be this could actually be all related to alien encounters as opposed to some sort of religious true religious aspect to what actually happened to them you know what was the what what was it there when they walked at night they were following like a big column of fire wasn't that when like was that when moses was wandering the desert is what they follow i don't know some something was
2: glowing in the dark yeah
1: was a giant column of fire And then other ones were like, uh, entire armies destroyed by big balls of fire, things Mm -hmm. like that. I'm like, okay, well, they immediately chalk that up to religion because that is how they explained everything back then. But maybe if that happened now, we're like, well, that was probably like, if you look at it now, you're like, that sounds more like an alien encounter, you know, from a large spacecraft that is on one side as opposed to, you know, is destroying the enemy for them.
3: Right, and they Before filtered have... whatever they saw through the frame of reference they had, which was, you know, religion, was religion and gods in the sky and that type of thing.
1: Yeah, or some prophets, or not prophets, but like, sort of not like messiahs, but prophets who just disappeared and were taken away up into heaven and never seen again.
2: They were actually abducted maybe aliens. Maybe, but that's part of the stuff that's in
1: Operation Trojan Horse. Which I would never thought of, which makes you want to read the Bible again. You're like, hmm, interesting. What is he? What is he speaking of?
2: Do you think somebody put it parallel to one of these books, like they do with lots of things, like put the Bible up and interpret it? I don't know what you mean. You know, like decipher. No, I don't it. know. That's
1: why I just said I, I don't know what you're talking about.
2: You do. You do like compared it to Star Wars, or you know, compared the Bible to what? What were we talking about? The Bible was compared to Star Star Wars, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Luke is. Yeah, you can
1: compare the Star Wars to. Yeah, Luke can be Jesus, and so why can't you do that
2: that with your book? That's not what I'm I'm saying. That is
1: not. That's absolutely not what I'm saying.
2: Okay. Well, what I'm
1: saying is, if your point of reference is one thing, and you encounter something abnormal, you are going to relate that abnormality to what your point of reference is. So thousands of years ago if somebody saw something abnormal they would say oh this is god reaching out to us but maybe it wasn't god maybe it was actually an alien advanced civilization that you were seeing that's okay. what i'm saying okay
2: i get what you're saying
3: a modern um example of that would be like when these explorers fly to like down south in, in south america to these like forbidden islands where these Protected tribes live, and they see an airplane, and they think it's some type of big winged creature flying over. It's really just an airplane with people trying to c- capture photos or whatever. But to them, they've never seen an airplane, so they have no idea what that is. They just think it's something supernatural.
1: Yeah, and just like and just like us, those those tribes are like, oh, let's kill it. <laughs> the same thing we would do if the aliens come down. We're like, oh, let's kill it. Uh, let's shoot at it and see what happens. Right.
3: See if they shoot back.
1: Yeah. Let's not extend the hand of peace.
2: Let's just
1: kill it. Let's see if it bleeds. We're going to shoot it.
2: Kill it with fire. That's pretty messed up that that would be our first thing, but I know it is. Yeah.
1: I mean, if it looks different than us, we fear the unknown. So what's our, I mean, if you were an alien or if you were an alien life form, I would not recommend landing in the United States. You know, land somewhere. You know, Sweden maybe.
3: We're gonna send uh, Will Smith and Randy Quaid after you
1: to come yeah, that's get a you. Great idea. Here, here's my other observations. Okay. They mentioned flashlights a lot, as if the the men in black or the aliens always have flashlights, or they're using these large beams of light. If it was an advanced situ, if it was an advanced Uh, life form with advanced tech why would their stuff look like a flashlight for us like that we have again this is my thing where I'm like well why would they have flashlights wouldn't if they can fly and have aircraft that maneuver in amazing ways and can turn on a dime why would they have something that looks like one of our flashlights as opposed to some high tech. Maybe
3: it's like exactly like what we were just talking about. Like maybe it's not a flashlight, but the people who witness these things and interpret them, the closest thing they can think of comparing it to is like a flashlight. Or it could be if they do have some advanced tech- technology, maybe they have some type of cloaking devices to make things appear like something that we would recognize, even though it might be some advanced, you know, alien weaponry or something crazy
0: like that.
1: That makes more sense.
2: Yeah, or I was gonna say, what if they were trying to make it look like things we had, just like JD said, basically.
1: So you, what yeah. you're saying I just is, just
2: copied what JD said.
1: So what you're saying is, what they're you dumbing were it say, down. I just want to say this.
2: Yes, so that's, what
1: you yeah, were gonna say was
2: J- basically exactly was the exactly same what JD said, mm-hmm. but
1: instead of just
2: I agree with you, your JD. In agreeing, I agree with you, JD.
1: What you decided to say was I was what I was gonna say is also what I'm about yeah. to say, which is the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. That J.D. already
2: said. I was just doing what Ron's does.
3: Or is it possible that the flashlight is the thing that wipes your mind and your memory clear? And that's the last thing that everyone remembers seeing.
1: Well, that's what I was saying. So also what I was thinking was like, well, now here's some similarities between what they're saying in the movie and what people actually saw. So some I imagine whoever actually wrote the Men in Black movie probably was really interested in this stuff and probably read some of these books or. I mean, I would I would hope so, because um, there is some stuff in there that seems pretty realistic. Like, there's a lot of times in there with people encounters with men in black where the men in black will ask for weird things like ask for salt, um, ask for water in exactly 45 minutes, pop out little yellow pills and take them, um, do everything that's really well timed, but look like they're just totally disorganized, almost like they're just skin bag walking around. Maybe they're motorized maybe there's something inside them that's controlling them i personally think that the most of the men in black are probably that's probably actually what they are as i think that they're little motorized bodies like drones Mm -hmm. yeah yeah because they always one they don't seem to like know how to walk um they don't dress for the conditions they're always like wearing suits in the middle of a blizzard uh all kinds of weird shit
3: or if you want to get off into some really deep conspiracy, that movie was created to desensitize us and train us for when they uh, do start taking over or when we do encounter men in black of how to interact with them.
1: Clearly recognize Juan. She believes that that's exactly what it's like. She thinks the men in black are good.
2: I didn't say that. I mean, the the men in black in the movie are good. Maybe. We think they are, but maybe they're really not. So anyway, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I mean, okay. So can, here's my men in black thing. What about those creepy little cachectic pale old dudes that work at funeral parlors and drive the hearse in the middle of the night to come pick up a body? How the fuck did little grandpa who can't even like pick up his coffee cup, move a body? You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Those people I, I are do, men but... in black. Those people are men in black black and they're creepy for sure.
3: The first thing that comes to mind when you say that to me is the creepy old guy from the Phantasm
1: movie. I don't think I've seen that movie. I don't think I've seen that movie either. Oh man, you guys are missing out. That's a,
3: it's uh one of those eighties horror movies that's so bad it's good. Okay. Yeah. There's the the main villain in that movie. You start off thinking is just like a creepy old man. Um, and he ends up being like a super mega demon alien entity. So, if you ever get a chance, or if you're listening to the Slabtail Squad podcast right now and you've never seen Phantasm, go seek it out. It's definitely worth the watch. I feel like
1: I've—I feel like I've seen it, but
3: the most recognizable—is
1: it Tim Curry movie? It's not a Tim Curry movie, is it? Uh,
3: no, Tim Curry's not in it. It's like there's no like really um, well-known actors in it. There may be in the later iterations because it's one of those movies that has like a million sequels. But uh, the most recognizable thing in that movie is the little there's these little silver orbs that attack people. And they have these little blades that shoot out the end of them and like drill holes in people's brains. Um, That's that became like a, a little horror movie trope after that movie came out.
1: You know what they say about Phantasm?
2: Nope.
3: The P is silent.
1: You never hear P because the, the P is silent. P. Is silent. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you call bringing it back around. How, oh, many, man. how
3: many silent <laughs> letters are in Canoe
1: canoe fook sauce? Uh, there's a lot in fook sauce. Uh, you wanted to bring up injured cold, uh, enlighten us there, uh, JD. Okay, so
3: around the moth, the time of the Mothman flap in. That region of West Virginia and Ohio, Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Woody Durenberger. Um, His full first name was Woodrow, of course, but he went by Woody. Um, And in November of 1966, he was returning home from a town called Marietta, Ohio, and was driving along the road and uh, noticed some strange lights in the sky. And at first he thought that maybe it was police lights like up on the horizon um and he was hauling some items because he was a traveling salesman so he pulls over to the side of the road and adjusts some of the items that he's in care that he's carrying in his vehicle one of them being a sewing machine for whatever reason that detail comes up in this story a lot and he gets back into his vehicle and continues driving well upon driving he notices the lights are moving So he's kind of driving while tracking the lights while trying to keep his eyes on the road so he's not continuously watching this thing because he's trying not to die while driving as well. Um, And he notices that the lights are getting closer and closer and then when they get to a certain distance away from him he starts to make out a craft. And he, in his own words, described the craft as a kerosene lamp chimney-shaped craft. Now, I guess kerosene lamps were a common item in the 60s of that era we probably don't have too much use for them now unless we're out camping or something but uh, back then they were fairly common Um, and him being not necessarily unintelligent but a simple gentleman as it's been described he kind of related it to that well he sees this craft approach him and land Um, and while it lands he sees an opening of like a rectangular shaped door Pull back and open and a walkway extend out and down this walkway comes the entity that's later to be named injured cold um, and injured Cold is described as a very pale super white entity nicely dressed in a suit uh, but what stands out about him specifically is the position of his arms in a crossed manner across his chest like. If you, back in the old days when they would lay someone in the coffin, they would cross their arms across their chest to lay them to rest. And um, what's also been described as an impossibly wide grin across his face. And injured Cold never breaks this grin. It's like a constant fixed grin on his face. And uh, this injured Cold entity begins to speak to Woody... However, the only problem with him speaking is that his mouth is fixed in this permanent grin, and he's speaking basically with his mind into Woody Derenberger's mind, you know, explaining who he is, what he is, Um, and that interaction as well as a couple afterwards have been part of paranormal lore ever since that time, Um, and it gets related to the Mothman and Men in Black because of his description with the black suit and pale complexion. Um, And it happened during the time of the flap, uh, the first flap before the collapse of the Silver Bridge. And it's a very legendary tale and uh, story throughout the paranormal community relating to the Mothman um, activities of that area.
1: That's dead silence.
0: We take it all in.
3: It's a lot to take in. I mean, just the description alone, how creepy that would be to see this guy come out of a Basically a UFO. I mean, it is an unidentified flying object. And uh, he's speaking to you, but he has this grin on his face, which the only other time I've heard that description is in descriptions of the entity known as the Hatman. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that lore. No. Um, the Hat Man, he's... Uh, a lot of people that suffer from sleep paralysis um, see him as an entity, and he's been spotted in other cases of just... Straight up paranormal activity as well.
1: So it's my understanding, and this is why I'm going to have to read all of John Keel's books, is that John Keel continuously interacts with Injured Cold throughout the years.
3: Correct. Yeah, uh, there's lots of stories of Injured Cold after this, but this is like the first original sighting that anyone reports um, interacting with Injured Cold.
1: And now Woody was actually taken aboard the aircraft eventually.
3: Yeah, after like uh two or three times of meeting Indrid, he uh, supposedly went and took a ride and saw some things out in out in the you know, outer space with Indrid. Basically a joy ride.
1: Sounds nice. I hope that they take me to a planet where all it's all humanoids who are naked, just all females, like the Amazons from the moon or whatever.
3: Death by snoo snoo.
1: So that's not so far fetched, but I think when they're talking about kerosene lamps, I'm assuming they're talking about the old school ones that had inside. They were like probably like, the, yeah, the like they, were, they were double thing. fluted. Had the yeah. bottom that was and then it was top and that was fluted. I'm assuming right. that's what they're talking about.
3: So if you can picture that flying with multicolored bright lights, and then landing, and then the figure in the doorway being obscured by the light behind it, with a walkway extending out like automatically, and then he slowly comes down the ramp with a permanent, you know, too a grin too big for his face and arms fixed in place across his chest.
1: Doesn't it kind of sound like Woody was smuggling some shit,
2: though? I mean, maybe.
3: There's a lot of theories about what Woody was really doing out driving in the roads at this time of year or around that time of night. Um, but nothing, you know, nothing's ever been proven one way or the other.
2: And wouldn't you be freaked the fuck out? Like, why would he just be okay with, like, taking a joyride with the...
3: (laughs) That's the fun part about that story is, like, he's just sitting here having a, you know, ESP conversation with this, you know, very disturbing appearing entity that just landed from seemingly outer space. And he's just cool with it. Like,
2: okay. And he doesn't ask questions. He's just like, hey, let me come back tomorrow. Let's do that again. So I mean, the way no, they just de-
3: the the way they describe it is that he's so taken aback and in shock by this encounter like he's lost for words. He has no idea what to do, what to say. Um and later on he is very kind of reluctant to tell people obviously because of the stigma.
1: It ruined his life basically.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um but so yeah, he it's one of those things where he thought about questions and things after the fact. But in the moment was just so in shock and taken aback he didn't know really how to react. So he just kinda had no choice but to take it all in.
1: Well, I have a theory on that why people don't freak out, Swan.
2: Because your body tells you not to, or they the entity like has this calming thing that doesn't make you.
1: Yeah, they hit you with some sort of neurological agent or some sort of or they secrete some sort of pheromone or something that actually calms
2: you. I can believe that. Yeah. Or just like if you're in a traumatic experience or something like that, your body like forgets all of that and is not scared because of whatever reason.
1: Yeah. The other possibility too is that some of these experiences, if you want to look at it from purely a, we're the only ones in the universe thing is that you actually experienced some trauma, but your brain developed a defense mechanism. And that's what, that's what your actual false memory is.
2: I would, I guess I would have believed that too. Either, either part is true because aliens, my whole life, I was scared of aliens and ghosts and all that stuff. But everything that I've actually witnessed, I was not scared during that. So,
0: I don't know. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look
1: at the X-Files, I think in the beginning, if I remember correctly, and if, I'm sorry if you're X-Files fans and I fucked this up, but if you remember, originally Mulder has memories of his sister being abducted by aliens later on as the season progresses he's able to have a memory again but it wasn't actually aliens that's what his brain filled in Mm. so which was the act which actually happened which one which one actually occurred do you actually have a false memory because someone you know somebody you know or someone you're actually abducted them and you filled in this evil entity doing it or did or what actually occurred the brain is very it's very scary i have told this before um when i made when i wrote my halloween story based off of what actually occurred to me when i broke my neck and i had to have surgery you know obviously time you the only thing you remember from before anesthesia is Going under anesthesia, and then you come out. You don't remember anything else when you're under general anesthesia, obviously. And so you have this total sensory change. Well, you almost can have, like, I had basically amnesia. I didn't know where the fuck I was when I came out and when I was in recovery. And so when I was in recovery, the entire room was cold, it was one color, and people were walking around in uniforms and most of them were like a green or a blue and i didn't have my glasses either and i was pretty much blind i didn't know where the fuck i thought i was on a spaceship because all i heard was beeping it was cold i was on a hard bed and i was in a lot of pain and couldn't move and because i was restrained also so i started freaking the fuck out and they had to come and like jump on me and they're like beef man don't you remember what happened don't you know where you are I thought I was on a spaceship.
2: You're like, fuck no, I'm on a fucking spaceship. Jesus. That's, that's
1: what I thought I was. I thought I was I thought I had been abducted and I was on a spaceship. And I was paralyzed and I couldn't move. The brain is a funny, funny thing, especially when you add some uh uh chemical medicine there, you know. Quote, better living by chemistry. Maybe uh and of course that's also a good a good excuse. You know, you can always blow off what people say saying, "Oh, you they were probably smoking the ganja or that sort of thing."
3: Are you familiar with the term pareidolia?
1: I got a pareidolia for, No. No, <laughs> what is a parad? what is a pareidolia?
3: So, uh para, pareidolia is the term that's used to describe uh the human brain filling in the gaps of what we basically can't conceive. Uh okay. so if we see something that we're not familiar with or that seems out of the ordinary, our brain sends signals to our eyes to like, oh, this that's a face. You know what I mean? Or um, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever been driving and you're driving behind like a, a certain model of car. And if you're driving behind it long enough, the tail lights begin to look like eyes of a face and the brain just kind of naturally like, oh, that's that's a face, even though it's really tail lights of a vehicle. Sure, and a that plate.
1: that happens to all of us, JD.
3: Right, or like, um, what's another one? Like, uh, if you stare at wood grain long enough, I, and you start would, to, yeah, you start I to pick images out. Lives. Yeah, start to
1: see demons. Swan.
3: Mm-hmm. What the hell
2: is wrong with yeah. you? When I was sick and in the hospital, I remember telling you this that the doors all had demons in them. Uh huh. Yeah. And you can see the shapes and like the faces in the, yeah.
3: Another one is like um, the phenomenon of people seeing like the Virgin Mary and like a tortilla or bread.
0: Mm -hmm. And
3: some people look at it and go, I don't see what the big deal is. Like, that's just a slice of bread. But then other people see it and they're like, I I swear that's, you know, it's a miracle.
1: Yeah. You know, what's really dumb about all that is that, they think that the way the virgin mary is depicted in art is what the virgin mary looked like that's why i was like you're not seeing the virgin mary you're seeing what you think the virgin mary looked like based on a renaissance painting so you're right. not seeing the it's the same thing with jesus they're like i see jesus oh you see a white guy with long hair that's not what jesus looked like
0: just
2: yeah, so nah. you know killer abs
1: he might have had killer abs he was a carpenter but yeah you know, i seriously doubt that he was a white dude with long brown hair.
3: True. And he def- definitely didn't have blue eyes, I'm sure of that. No,
1: he did not. And he probably didn't wear a cross around his neck.
2: That's hmm. kind of, that's probably fucked up right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like... Whenever you ever see pictures <laughs> like that, you're like, why does Jesus have a cross around his neck? <laughs> that's terrible. That's like horrible right there.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fucking idiots. Here was my funny thing. Did you read um so Swan, I, of course, did not read the Mothman Prophecies, as I have already stated. But there is a there is a story in there about uh Mary Heyer. She was the she was the reporter in uh Point Pleasant. And so she covered all this stuff really super extensively. And she was sitting there working, and she got visited by men in black like very frequently. Didn't know what the fuck was going on, but she got one of them came in and was like. Uh, what would you do if somebody told you to stop, you know, stop writing these articles? And she was like, basically, she's like, well, basically I'd tell them to go get bent, you know? But this one person comes in and they were like tiny and she had like a ballpoint pen on, on the desk or whatever. And the person like was playing with a pen, like he'd never seen a pen before. And so she just says to him, um, you can have that if you want. And the dude laughs maniacally and runs out <laughs> runs out of her office <laughs> like that's hilarious
2: did he take the pen yes he ran <laughs>
1: off for the pen like a freaking maniac like lab that's just hilarious like that's one of the most funny stories out of all of it
3: he went to some crazy alien lab somewhere and like reversed engineered an ink pen and brought it back to his his people and were like check this out
1: and they're like what the fuck is this for we don't write we don't what are we what are we gonna do with this nice job ted Send you down there for one thing and one thing only, and you come back with this. Fucking weirdo.
2: That was probably like his best souvenir. I mean, that's pretty cool, actually.
1: Actually, I was thinking, it's not Indrid Cold that John Keel kept interacting with, right? It was Apple. Isn't that who it was? I
3: think they're somewhere along the line. I'd have to go back and look, but I think they're related somehow, like he's introduced to other entities through injured cold from like this other dimension, I guess I don't yeah. it gets, it gets weird.
1: Yeah. I was wondering just reading it because I'm only part of the way through, but I I started reading one of the other books. I can't remember which one it is, but I it was one of his books. It, it's almost like he's having a continuous conversation with somebody. So I was like, what the fuck is this all about? And it's all about Apple or Mr. Apple or whatever his name, Apple. And I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. I'm like, but I was reading that. I was like, Did you, was John Keogh losing his shit? Is that what was going on? Or um, you can imagine if all this high strangeness is going on, though, you would start to question your own sanity and be like, what the fuck is actually going on? Is any of this stuff actually happening? Or is, I mean, because he's talking about his phone being tapped. You know, he's getting all these crazy phone bills, which back in the day, you wouldn't get phone bills if you weren't using your phone all the fucking time. But he had like, astronomically high phone bills so was he actually losing his shit or was all this weird shit actually happening to him i don't know.
2: i don't know that makes me question lots of things where people are talking about things and they get labeled as schizophrenic or crazy or passed off as it's not real but maybe some of that stuff is real and we just discount it because we don't understand it
1: well i don't think anybody said he was crazy
2: so he was thinking he was crazy
1: well he was wondering why all this shit was happening i mean like he he literally legitimately what like you have to remember this is in the 60s right so tech wasn't as good it's not like if somebody tried to tap our phone now like we couldn't find figure that out you could probably get an app that was like hey somebody tapping my phone you can figure that all out because we have such great tech but he was legitimately having weird shit happen to his phones finding shit in his phone receivers Calling the phone company and they're like, oh, you have a drop in power, which usually means that you're getting tapped. I'm like, well, who's tapping my phone? Like, well, you don't know, you know. So the the amount of stuff that was happening to him probably was legitimate, but like, who was doing it? Why were they doing it? That's Mm -hmm. what's weird.
3: And he was getting random visits from quote men in black as well. Aside from injured cold, because a lot of the belief is that injured cold himself was a men in black, but he was like a different species or breed of men in black which is why he appeared so strange um but then after the meeting he was getting visited by the traditional men in black that we always hear about with like uh the black suits the black you know flat brimmed hats the glasses pale skin looking similar um that kind of thing so
1: brand new 30 year old cadillacs (laughs) right but they drive with no lights on yeah, maybe. It's very possible, though. But, you know, there's this whole theory that, and see, I'm not big on that whole alien war thing that's going on. But I don't know if you know this one, but there's supposedly like semi good aliens and semi bad aliens, and they're tugging us in different directions based on their own agenda.
2: Well, I mean, it probably would make sense because that's like happens in real life.
1: Well, I mean, there's like greys so. and reptilians and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And, you know, supposedly they've, There's some that have been influencing us for a long time, trying to help us out so that we could be in opposition to the other bad guys.
2: So then how do you know which ones are the good ones and which ones are the evil? And I guess it depends on which agenda you're going for. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would say so. I I wouldn't know. I would just say, obviously, though, if you're going to name something reptilian, probably not going to be on our side.
3: I've heard a theory uh, recently, too, that's kind of similar to that, but it basically said that you know, like each country has an alliance with a different breed of alien race, and each breed of alien race and each country obviously have their own agenda that they're trying to achieve, and it's like you know we're we're aligned with the Greys, the Soviets are aligned with like a different breed of alien that are warring, and they're helping us and we're helping them and it got off into the woods, but basically like each breed of alien is in cahoots with a different type of political party or country and trying to, you know, make their agendas meet um, to work together to take down the others, basically.
1: Which you're like, okay, that doesn't make, in the grand scheme, if you're looking at it, that makes no sense because you're like, okay, shouldn't we like all be together as humans in opposition to them? Instead, not say I mean like that makes more sense than saying, "Oh, well, um, we know that the soviet former Soviet Union doesn't like the u s so let's have them a all- align with us so that we can fight off this other alien race. I mean they don't need us if they can master you know if they can master traveling interdimensionally or through space, what the fuck do they need us for
3: the The way it was put to me was basically that we are." we're foot soldiers for them. We're, we're operation get behind the humans. We're just fodder for the other side to basically kill so that they can get away and, you know, escape unscathed from the opposition.
2: And I guess it makes sense for us because we would rather align with an alien than a country that we hate, which is sad, but
1: I mean, I would only do, I, I gotta be honest, I would only align with the aliens if, if they, they were hot. If they were hot. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not aligning with any other. Sorry.
2: I thought you were welcoming all, to all aliens. I mean, if they're, if they've got like
1: ultimate power, i welcome, but I'm far more willing to welcome and align myself with hot aliens.
3: Let's be honest. He's going to cave for the first alien race that brings him a high tech sex robot. Right, exactly. I'm in. I'm sold.
1: Yeah. Whatever I for you need one, me to do, let's go. Hi for one, welcome our robot, robot overlords and our alien overlords, if they're hot. If you're an alien overlord and you can provide me with a hot sex bot, then I'm your guy. I will be fodder. That is fine.
2: So even if you're not, but you can disguise yourself, you're in.
1: Well, I mean, okay, if you go back to the TV show V,
2: mm-hmm. those
1: aliens were hot, but underneath... They were reptiles
2: yeah so are you in as long as you never see the reptile part
1: i mean if you dress it up the right way
2: a hot I mean, dog looks good
1: a hot dog looks good
3: let's see true. the reptile part i mean let's i could get into that let's see what happens as long <laughs> as it's warm that's true
1: but you know they're cold-blooded so you know that they might They have got some sort of warming mechanism i guess here's what i would like to see um I would like to see the insertion point be easier. Like, why isn't it on like the waist <laughs> or the thigh? It just seems like that would be easier. Like, you're
2: strange. You're just an it odd just person. Like, it
1: just seems like it's, why make it so difficult?
2: That makes it challenging.
1: Nah, I don't.
2: It keeps you interested you got to work for it. Like if it was just on
1: like the lateral thigh, then you could just have a slit in your pants on that side It all like times. a zipper? No, no. Why would I? don't want a zipper oh just a slit but the... contact is not funny if you accidentally catch yourself in the zipper swan you just don't think like someone who has a penis at all go, <laughs> like, oh, sorry just the stuff you say like a zipper yeah uh, how about a row of teeth uh, uh, how about a double row of teeth uh, that sounds like a great idea
2: yeah
1: how about a double row of teeth and a proboscis that comes out that's even better and that can with a sharp row of teeth that can go right up your ass
2: that's a great idea swan <laughs> What? No problem. No problem. Jeez. Now your imagination is going in weird places. Swan, so what
1: other, what, what brilliant things did you have to, what notes do you have there?
2: Well, so are the men in black? Are, are, yes, we are. No, we're not. Are they like paranormal people or do they work for the government or are they, like, I have lots of questions. So do you think, or are I think they, they
3: are entities from another region, planet, dimension, whatever you want to call it, that are put to use for the government. But I'm starting to lean the other way, of like what Beavman said. Maybe they're just drones. Maybe they're they're not actually people at all. Maybe they're just sent out to do bidding of people somewhere
2: else. So they're just in a, like you said, a drone. And inside is something else or robotically or robotically. Yeah, robotically what is it like? Controlled? Um
3: I think is it, is it the second Men in Black movie? Might even be the first.
2: The first one where he's like the little tiny thing inside the big
3: Yeah. And then, human body. And then like the body is performed by Carl Strikend, who is the guy that played Lurch in the Adams Family show. And then when they go to meet at that cafe and he gets Capped by that alien blaster or whatever, and then his face pops open, and there's that little alien guy in there controlling him. Something similar yeah. to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I think. I think it's some sort of biologic robot or drone or whatever.
3: And they like, whatever
1: and like if you're if you're an advanced civilization, because that's what we're suspecting, right? they're right, that they're trying to be, subvert us or whatever. Why would you send? Why would you send your people? You know, into this hostile environment, um, and maybe these early ones that we saw in the '60s are so are we're not that super advanced, and we're probably see we're probably not even going to see it that off again. Maybe they'll wear the same shit, but we're not going to see it quite so goofy, right. where they act like they don't know how to walk, they act like they don't know how to interact with us. If they were truly an advanced society, that's part of it too. Like, well, why would why why do they act like they don't know how to speak to us? It seems like they do their research. One of the interesting things that they say is like frequently, instead of saying what time is it, they say, what is your time? So they frequently phrase questions in an odd way. Almost like us, if we're trying to learn, like if I'm trying to learn Spanish, but I don't learn it conversational Spanish and I try to piece words together.
2: So their translation is like literal instead of conversational. Yeah.
1: But again, if they're so smart, it seems like they would know how to do that.
2: But maybe they just don't think we care or we're not observant enough to know because we're dumb. because we're dumb. yeah possibly
3: part of it too is maybe they use the drones as well because their appearance is so off-putting and disturbing to us that they almost have to disguise themselves otherwise we just see them and like run in terror
1: yeah if that's possible or because we will run in terror or we're gonna kill it that is very that's what we do every time we see something weird
2: oh that's fascinating
1: we stomp on it that sounds like something we would do.
2: So, do most of the men in black things happen at night usually? Like cause it seems like all the sightings of things is mostly at night.
1: Yeah, during the day they wear a different totally different suit. It's more of a It's more of an off-white or a tan. Then they're the men in the They're the men in off-white. I've they seen supposed the men in gray
3: supposed men in black videos and stuff that and heard stories that occurred like all all times of day. The, the most famous one is like a, a video surveillance footage of a hotel where these two guys dressed in like the stereotypical men in black attire with the, the black brimmed hats and the suits walk into this hotel and they're like twins of each other. They look exactly identical. And that's used to say like, look, these are men in black captured on film. That occurs during the day. Um, if you Google men in black video, it's like usually the first thing that pops up. So I think they occur anytime they want to occur, basically.
1: And what would be interesting is if we see actual footage then, and then like 20 years from now we see footage caught again, but they look exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Like no aging, nothing like that. That would be pretty crazy because then that would support my theory. Like maybe they just mass produce a bunch of them. Looked a certain way. Maybe they got like five models they use
2: i mean yeah i think they would have to be a little different like you said different models so that it doesn't look suspicious but it is suspicious i don't know
1: yeah but if they're uh, i mean that also gives them too much credit thinking that they're giving us credit you know what i mean yeah in other words they're like oh we could we could make five models that look like this and we could use them for the next 30 years because that's that's Cost-effective.
3: If that's the case, what was going on with injured cold then, and why did he appear so out of whack?
1: He might have appeared at the wrong time too. Right. I think that it's not just like I said before. I'm like I think it's not just a dimensional thing. I think it's a time-space thing. Right. Dimensional. A lot of them are popping in. You know, they they could be from even he could be from like the future as opposed to being from a different dimension at the same time as us
0: Hmm.
3: or is it possible that he's like a rogue men in black and his vessel and or you know drone suit exterior was damaged or something in some type of way
1: yeah it just has no facial expression
3: right he's just stuck in that permanent creepy grin now I
2: kind of feel sorry for him it's not him, that's his suit, okay, well, I feel sorry for his it's suit.
1: His, it's his Edgar suit his Edgar suit, yeah, yeah, more sugar please, more sugar, more sugar. The other thing I think is ridiculous is all the theories that they're like, why are they here? Oh, they want to make a hybrid with us, I'm like, mm. Mm, I'm like we're pretty much genetically fucked. Um, uh, I feel like they should be picking someone else again. I mean, if they're hot. Uh, That's fine. But if they're not, I don't see the point in the crossbreeding. Not going to make a better species.
2: So do you think that they can time travel? Like, I mean, like on their own, like that, they just do it because they know they want to go to 1966. I think they
3: have, I think they have a far more extensive grasp of time travel and interdimensional travel than we probably ever will understand in our lifetime. Um, And I think that's how they get around and get out of places so quickly. Um, Yeah. They have access to things that we just can't even conceive
2: yet. So maybe that's why they're hidden or not seen as much. Like, why we can't find one.
1: Well, it's also possible, too, that they fucked up and they're trapped here. Mm. One
3: example I've heard that I thought was a really good explanation is, like, um, they're... We're entities, you know, humans as a whole, as entities. If you think of it as like being on the ground level of a building, we're at street level and we can't see beyond the horizon, but these beings are at the top of the building on the very top floor and looking out past the horizon, and they can see farther than what we have access to because of where they're at in the hierarchy of the universe or whatever. I thought that was an interesting comparison. Like, it's not necessarily, they're not necessarily predicting the future or seeing things that haven't happened yet, but they can just see farther down the road than we can at that particular time.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. It's also possible, I've also heard that the these entities that we see are actually like our great, 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 great grandchildren. Like, they're actually our species that has evolved Mm. that pop back that popped back to try to influence us in some way
3: I've, Mm. i've heard a version of that too like they're us but they've been out traveling space and time and because of that their bodies have changed over time and evolved to adapt to those types of environments and then when they come back and visit us in the current time they look shocking or you know strange to us because they have changed over time
1: that's also very cool like, it's me, Timmy. Oh, right. Timmy, you do not look even remotely like you used to look.
3: Which would explain the pale skin, too, if you think about it. I mean, if they're out in space, which is a vacuum, there's not a whole lot of light happening. You know, their complexion over time would change. And eventually, if they kept reproducing, you know, over time, that would just be the normal skin complexion. And then, like, the dark eyes, you know, if you're in low light for a long time, over long periods, your eyes start dilating and darkening.
2: Definitely why they need the sunglasses then.
3: Right. It's like people that live underground, and, you know, they over time if they stay too long in like a cave or whatever, they start losing their sight. Um, and then, you know, if, if you're producing generations and generations of these creatures that are changing physio- physiologically, then, you know, after three or four generations, they look completely different than what you had when you started. So that's kind of
1: interesting. Gosh, my hope is that they stop reproducing. God, that's, the only, that's my only <laughs> hope for the human race. I got two hopes for the human race. Stop reproducing and die out. Mm. We're not contributing to the universe at all. Negatively. We're, cont- we're contributing negatively to the universe for sure. But
3: so you... Sadly. You you subscribe to the Bill Burr theory of population control?
1: Oh, what's the Bill Burr theory?
3: Just, you know, let them die.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. It's survival of the fittest.
1: Darwinism. The the human race had its time, let's be honest. Yeah. It's probably over. Time for something else to come along that's better. And I, for one, welcome my robot overlords.
2: (laughs) And aliens.
1: And aliens if they're hot. So. Robots versus aliens.
2: Besides like Woody, who's had all these experiences and talking about them, I want to see new people who have these experiences now and then come back and tell us about them. Like, and don't you think by now we should be able to like record that? Everybody has a cell phone.
3: So Swan, your research, if you choose to accept it, your assignment is to watch, watch the...
2: (laughs) Is it a movie? I can watch a movie.
3: It is a documentary called Hellier.
2: Oh, we're watching that.
3: Oh, excellent! How far are you guys in? Like episode
2: three four? or four, maybe
1: five. Yeah,
3: S- stick with it.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, right now we want. Right now we want to wring their necks. Yeah, I. I'm like yeah. this better start getting better.
3: It does. It does. Oh, okay, good. That's good. Um, you're gonna over like the next few episodes of that series, you'll start hearing some familiar stuff that we discussed in this episode. So, just stick excellent. with it. It excellent. gets better. They also start collectively losing their minds and getting extremely paranoid, and it's kind of fun to watch. Also, now that 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 I'll be fun, that will be
1: funny
2: because they're yeah,
1: that will be good. Yeah, because right now I'm like, you guys are idiots.
2: Like, who walks around in the woods with no shoes on? First of all, but (laughs) okay, we're,
1: we're pointing out stuff that's like ridiculous. Like, look at this moron,
3: crazy Dana and her witchy self. Yeah. yeah,
2: with her I'm like, weird ass. You burn like, some tobacco. I'm like, let's on. light a birthday candle. That's going to help you in the woods. I'm, <laughs> like, <right. These> are... <laughs> I'm, I'm a
1: witch, but not not really. I'm, I'm a dollar store witch, so I've got these uh, birthday candles because, yeah, exactly. I didn't even get real good tobacco. This is just some shit tobacco. Some
2: cigarettes that I took the paper off of. Yeah, like, yeah
1: okay. She's trying. She's, She's trying. trying. She's, trying,
2: She's trying, but... trying.
1: She makes more money than I do.
2: I'm sure she probably does. No, yep. she
1: does.
3: They have a uh, a complete
2: empire.
1: The, yeah, they're they're doing all right. They're doing fine. All right. Well, we barely scratched the surface. Barely scratched the surface, and that's okay. JD, what do you got coming up? What what are you promoting? What what's going on? What's what's going on in the brown town?
3: So, as far as the podcast goes, the monsters' lair. I'm th- actually thinking that this is going to be my season finale. So, oh, sorry. We're gonna.
2: This is gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, I mean, true to Slap Tail Squad form, we learned absolutely nothing. So I mean, that's it's, true.
0: It's you on will brand.
1: never learn anything. You'll never learn anything from us. Right. That's true.
3: Uh, but as far as that goes, uh, I will be still releasing some bonus episodes. I need to finish up the uh, history of heavy metal series that I started and uh, almost completely abandoned throughout the course of th- this season. Um, so I'll be getting back to that as bonus content. And then, as usual, I always do a special Halloween episode where I do like a, a basically a super cut of some of the creepiest stories that I've had on the show, uh, nice. whether those are through interviews and first-hand encounters or just stories that I like that seem to be super creepy that I tell. Um, so that's going to be coming out on Halloween. Um, so that's always fun for me to do because it's stuff that I've already done and I just get to hand pick out like the best segments that I like and mash them all together in one episode. Nice.
1: Yeah. We try to do, we, we I always say it before, I'm like, we really need to write stories for Halloween. I think I'm the only one that ever actually writes a story. Sad.
2: I feel like I wrote a story. Yeah. You? you just probably said it sucked,
1: but. Probably. That's yeah. probably actually accurate. Probably, yeah. Is what did happen. Maybe we'll just have to write some Bigfoot porn for the next one, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Swan, you know, Swan, I just realized we've never been on the Monsters Lair. I've,
2: we have not. We've never been on the Monsters Lair. We have because we were, you were on last episode of the Monsters Lair.
3: Right. You, you've appeared in the Monsters Lair as content, but you have not been in the Monsters Lair as a guest. All right. right. So That's all right. we got to work on that in <laughs> the upcoming uh, upcoming seasons.
1: That's fine. We don't. We don't need that. That's fine.
3: Okay. <laughs> no, I want to hear that's your uh, your crazy uh, military fine. ghost stories, John. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's
1: fine. Uh, so I guess, uh, what do we got coming up there? So why don't we we want to promote there?
2: I think we should promote the upcoming comedy show at the Crawl Space Theater on September twenty second at seven thirty p.m. We can post the link so you can get tickets. We have some great comedians that are super funny. And me. the venue is great. It's hosted by the beef man. a great, super cool. We have some great communities. that are super funny. And, and the beef, the beef man. man. And
1: the beef man.
2: He's got heart. <laughs> it
1: was actually funny. Swan.
2: Yeah. Was it?
1: it was, okay. uh, probably never, never, ever happen again. I, uh, I, you know, I, I, it's interesting because, um, I think maybe three, I'm going to say four, four standups in, I was like, eh, I don't need to do this, but now I'm like, eh, it's not that bad. Uh, I kind of enjoy doing it. Like I did yesterday, I did some time, but I wasn't planning on it. Um, I was just going to watch some folks uh, for somebody that I was consider. I'm considering putting on a show, uh, and I wanted to see his set. And then the guy hosting is like, Hey, you, are you, you want me to? You want to do some time? I was like, Well, I wasn't really planning on it, but I should not turn down an opportunity. So. It was but fun.
2: Maybe that was less stressful for you and it just kinda happened naturally. So
1: Well, that's part of it though too is I don't get stressed at all doing it. I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll come up here and try some of my jokes out. And if nobody laughs, then I know not to use that joke.
3: Well, by all accounts, that's how you ply the craft from what I've heard, you know, interviews of stand up comedians say, like you just gotta get out there and do it and forget yeah. about, you know, if you're funny or not in the beginning stages. You know, that comes with time. When you learn, like, oh, this, <laughs> this works here, We're this not. doesn't. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of, like, anything else. I mean, if you stick with it long enough and don't give up, you know, it'll come. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I did this joke last night that I thought was a funny joke, and nobody laughed. I was like, oh, I guess you guys are.
2: I feel like that's a know your audience kind of situation, though.
1: I thought that that one would. I thought it was a good joke.
2: It was a good joke. But...
1: You know, let me tell you this joke, JD, and you tell me it was a good joke.
0: Okay.
2: <clears throat>
1: So uh, I was driving down the road the other day and I saw this sign that said, apathy is not an option. And I thought, you know, that's some thats uh, some pretty powerful stuff. But then I also thought, what if you don't know what apathy means? Because if you don't know what it means, then you might already be exercising that option. But then I, I was going to look it up when I got home, uh, but I lost interest and I didn't
3: it's pretty apathetic of you
1: there <laughs> but nobody laughed and I was like you motherfuckers don't know what apathy
3: <laughs> just too smart of a joke for the audience <laughs> at the time I think
2: that's what I said they just didn't get it
3: maybe that's it uh, maybe you just, maybe you just maybe need to maybe find your right care. demographic <laughs> maybe
2: right. they just didn't care
3: maybe they were just apathetic to your comedy exactly exactly
1: probably i uh, but i was like
2: <laughs> i just thought
1: that i was like i think that joke is funny but i was like
2: all right <laughs> and then you could see you laugh at yourself when you're like they don't get it <laughs> that's well, funny well, part, of,
1: part of doing stand-up though i i think that like one you have to enjoy doing it um and i think it's fun doing it but when stuff like that happens i do think that's funny So. You know, some people are like, oh, I hate it when comedians laugh at themselves on stage. And but I think it's funny when comedians laugh at themselves on stage because they might not just be laughing at themselves. They might actually also be. This is what I've learned is like, I kind of laugh at their response to myself because <laughs> I'm like, if they don't laugh I'm like that's I, I thought it was funny.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's for your entertainment, too, at that point. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, clearly, I'm not entertaining anybody.
2: <laughs> right. So you might as well entertain yourself. <laughs> Just entertain
1: myself (laughs) that's all right
3: i I appreciate those moments in stand-up comedy when the comedian just can't gather themselves because they're laughing at their own joke so i'm not one of those people that are like oh that's
1: dumb i do too because i think it it looks like they're actually having fun and they're they're loving what they do so to me it's like i think it's funny when they do it now if it's a fake laugh i don't like that
2: no i like the one our one comedian that we I think is really funny because he laughs at himself. I think he genuinely has fun up there and is truly laughing at himself. Yeah. And that to me is funny. Yeah.
1: I'll just keep hammering away at it. Anyway. Somebody's gonna find that joke funny. Or they won't care.
2: Right. Just won't care.
1: All right. Well, I think that that is it for uh for me. Uh I wanna thank JD for being here for our matchup, our Mash up our uh, oh, that thing, you know, team up. It's a team up. God, I don't know why I even wrote it in the title. It's team up, team
2: up, team up, fuckers.
1: It's a team up, motherfuckers. Uh, so adios, uh, much uh, much fuckos.
2: Bye from the swan. Say bye, JD. Bye bye.
0: Right, let's try it again. Yeah, it's, your, it's your turn, JD. Bye. It's heartfelt.